Thank you, Jenny. My, what a message in that song. Amen. And that's what Christmas is all about. We had a little baby that grew up and changed everything. And so there's something to celebrate. There's something to sing about. If you would, turn to Luke chapter 2. I read from this passage last week. I've read from it several times recently, so I want to continue. I want to go back and read it again. Let's look at Luke chapter 2. Begin reading with verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Well, they're dealing with the taxes then just like we're dealing with the taxes now. Now, they're a little harder than what we do. You know, it's we don't have to pick up and load up and and walk 80 miles to pay our taxes or to register to make sure that we do pay our taxes. So we kind of have it a little easier to that that it's taken out of this and taken out of that and we pay it with our groceries. And, but they didn't do that. They had to, uh, they had to go. Verse 2. And this taxing was first made when Serenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. That was about an 80-mile journey they had to take. And uh, didn't have a bus, didn't have cars. You have a picture of Mary riding a donkey, but more than likely they just walked. Not many had donkeys that as poor as were poor as they. But anyway, verse six, and so it was. While they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son. That's very important. She brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. The glory of the Lord shone round about them. They were so afraid. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go unt, even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, 
They made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as was told unto them. This morning I want to share just in time remaining a few thoughts on a sermon I've entitled, What a Difference a Child Makes in a Manger. Uh, what a difference a baby makes. I didn't know Jenny was going to sing. In fact, I'd been humming an old one I had, but... Brother Mike turned to him and he said, I said, you going to sing? He said, Terry didn't ask me to. He said, why don't you go ahead? And about that time, the Lord spoke to Jenny and she ran up here. <laughs> hey, I tell you. But anyway, I appreciate you singing that. And the sermon title, What a Difference a Child in a Manger Makes. This past Tuesday night, I and Don Landers, Doug Behrman, Judy Taylor... Gina Norton, Loretta Lindquist, we went on behalf of our church and ministered to the inmates at the Franklin County Jail. We had 76 men, I believe, and we had 12 women. I think we had a total of 88 inmates there at the jail. And the first thing that we did, they ministered to the women, we ministered to the men, and the first thing we did, and I think they did basically the same thing as far as a passage of Scripture, we read Luke chapter 2, 1 and following, or selected of Scriptures from that passage. I don't know how many times over my ministry, 35 years or 36, 37 before I was pastoring a church, I don't know how many times that I've read Luke chapter 2, verses 1 and following. I don't know how many times I've read, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, or which is Christ the Lord. I know I read that six or eight times uh, the other night at different cell blocks. But you see, the passage never gets old. Amen. Because the message is always new to someone. There will be someone who will hear that that's never heard it before. So today, although this is a familiar passage, and I just read it last week in the church service. Today I want us this morning to go back to Bethlehem and just take a close look at this baby that's in the manger. Now, it's really an amazing thing to consider the birth of Jesus. Because, you see, God Almighty decided to enter our world in a very personal way, and so he comes to our world as a tiny, poor, innocent baby. But yet this baby was the most significant baby that's ever been born. And so I want to share with you today, perhaps three, four things that makes this baby, Jesus, the most significant baby that's ever been born. First of all, why is this baby in a manger so significant? Well, first of all, he was the firstborn son of Mary. Look at verse 7. Verse 7 says in chapter 2, And she brought forth her firstborn son. Now listen, firstborn doesn't necessarily mean that no son had been born to Mary. Now, let me go ahead and explain that. 
we know for a matter of fact that this was Mary's first child. But the word firstborn means foremost. And so it's used in reference to time, to place, to in order or of importance. So the point is, the, the son born of Mary in Bethlehem was her foremost son. One taking precedence of all of her children. Now, she had never had a baby before. You know, she was a, she was a virgin. But she, this was her firstborn son. This child... Would, be, would take precedence of over all the other children she would have. Now Colossians 1.15 speaks to that when it says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Now that doesn't mean that Jesus was the first of creation because he existed before creation. But it means that he's the ultimate creation. Amen. Takes precedence over everything else that was created. Firstborn. Precedence. No king, no ruler, no man, no woman will ever rise to the importance of Jesus. He was the firstborn of creation. Takes precedence of anything ever that was created by God. Colossians 1 verse 8 says he is the firstborn from the dead. That doesn't mean that he was the first raised from the dead. If you remember his cousin Lazarus was raised just a few weeks prior to the resurrection of Jesus. It means that his resurrection is the foremost. His resurrection takes precedence over all the others who will rise from the dead. He is the firstborn of creation, takes precedence over anything created. Firstborn of the resurrection, takes precedence over anyone ever raised from the dead. So the birth of Jesus is significant because he's literally the first child of Mary, but he's the foremost child of Mary, takes precedence of any other child she would ever have. He's significant, firstborn. Significant that through this child, God is revealed. Think of that. John 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God. Verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among men. Hebrews 1 verse 3 says, He reflects, speaking of Jesus, the glory of God and he, he bears the very stamp of his nature. He's, as we would say, a spitting image of God Almighty. And so through this child, God is revealed. So he's significant in that manger because really he bears the image of God Almighty. But now God reveals himself. You know, prior, God revealed himself to man in different ways. God, if you remember, God in times past had made himself known to Noah. He spoke to Noah and gave Noah the instructions to build the building of the ark. And he revealed himself really through the, ark, uh, through the flood also. <laughs> gave instructions, spoke to Noah, 
sent the flood, spoke to Noah, spoke to Abraham, asked him to leave the place of leave his birthplace and go to the land that he would show him. He spoke to Abraham, he spoke to Moses from a burning bush. And so God had revealed himself to, to people of old in different ways, but now God reveals himself through a child. And he bears the exact image of God Almighty. You know, in a famous cathedral in Rome, there's a, there's a beautiful painting. And for centuries, very few people who visited this cathedral appreciated the art that was in that cathedral. And the problem was the location of the art was in the very top of the dome. And you would have to stretch your neck, you would have to bend your neck to look at that piece of art. And so the physical discomfort of always looking up prevented them from enjoying this masterpiece of art. Then finally someone placed a mirror just right above the floor. And all of a sudden, that that was so hard to see was brought down to human level. And they could see it. And that's what you have here in Jesus in a manger. That's the story of Bethlehem. God Almighty revealed himself through a baby in a manger by the name of Jesus. So God who was once seen partially can now be seen clearly in this babe called Jesus. So the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so the birth of Jesus is significant because he's the firstborn, takes precedence over all the children that would ever be born to Mary. And then through this child, God is revealed. Then I jotted down something else. Through this child, humanity is redeemed. Luke chapter 2 verse 11, notice, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. Matthew 1 verse 21 says, This child will save his people from their sins. What do you need at Christmas? We went Christmas shopping in, in Birmingham. Uh, we went uh, Friday and spent the night. Kind of got our nerves settled to go back on Saturday morning. A lot of traffic. A lot of traffic. And uh, we made it through Birmingham without hitting someone or getting hit. And so uh, we just looked for things that people needed for Christmas. What do you need for Christmas? Well, somebody said, well, you know, uh, we need uh, maybe a 60-inch TV. Remember the little 13-inch we used to have? And we want a 60-inch TV. Or, or maybe you need a new suit or shoes. Or a bicycle or some type of exercise equipment. <laughs> a car. Maybe a diamond. We think we'd need those things. You know the only thing you really need is a Savior. Amen. That's the only thing you, we really need is a Savior. And the most important news of Christmas is unto you is born this day in the city of David. A Savior, which is Christ the Lord. 
Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Not the church. It's not the Savior. Not the ordinances. It's not the Savior. Mary is not the Savior. Rituals are not the Savior. But Jesus is the Savior. Friend, listen, Christ can forgive you and cleanse you and save you. And because of him, we're redeemed, we're reconciled to God, and we're made right with God. And his birth is significant because he's the firstborn. Through this child in the manger, God is revealed and then mankind is redeemed. I want to list one other. Through this child, miracles still happen. Man, we've seen a lot of things this past two years. We've seen God do a lot of miracles. But the greatest miracle is when he changes a person's heart. And he gives them hope. And he gives them reason. And he gives them a purpose for living. And then he gives them assurance when they're dying. Man, listen, that's the greatest miracle that can ever happen. Now, let me ask you this question. Have you experienced that miracle? Have you experienced that miracle of the new birth? The other night at the jail, we just shared the simple message of Jesus coming to earth there. Luke chapter 2. We talked about how Jesus, uh, God had a purpose for their life. And that wasn't it as far as where they were. But God has something better. And if they would simply trust Him, He'd give them purpose, He'd give them reason, He'd give them assurance, He'd give them salvation if they just put their faith and trust in Him. Out of those 88 inmates, 36 of those inmates prayed and asked Christ to forgive them and to come into their life and save them. Now that's between them and God. Our responsibility was to minister to them and to share the gospel with them. And the rest of it is up to God. But when we go back to Bethlehem, we see a little babe in a manger. Oh, what a difference he made. Firstborn of Mary, revealing God. Through him, humanity is redeemed. Through him, miracles still happen. And so today, you have an opportunity to experience him in your own personal life. I hope you will. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you for this opportunity that we've had to open your word. I thank you for each person that's here. I don't know their hearts. You do. But Father, help us, I pray today, to realize that that Christmas is all about a babe in a manger in Bethlehem. And it's how you loved us so much that you sent your son to die on a cross for our sins. And Jesus come and revealed you to us. He's the firstborn of creation. The firstborn of Mary. The firstborn of creation. The firstborn of the resurrection. He takes preeminence over everyone over everything and so today Lord we we realize that it's through him and only him that we can have eternal life he was willing to go to that cross 
and die on the cross for our sins. He was buried. He arose again. And one day he's coming back. And so he offers eternal life to those who would receive him into their life. Simply by faith, trust in him. And he tells us, Lord, as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And so I pray today, if there's anyone here who has never trusted Christ and him alone for their salvation, that today they would put their faith and trust in him. And they would experience the joy of Christmas. Experience what Christmas is all about. The birth of a Savior. Thank you for the exciting news that was shared with the shepherds and how it's been passed to us through the ages. I pray for every person here. And I pray that today your Holy Spirit will convict of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And that your Holy Spirit will lead those to Christ, Father, who need him as their Savior. We thank you for the gift of Christmas. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of eternal life. We thank you for the gift of your Son. And so help us to rejoice as your people and be glad that because of your love, we do have a Savior. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Mike's going to lead us in hymn number 312. The other day I was driving down the road, or yesterday, and I heard... Uh, I heard a contemporary group sing this song. And man, I've, I've heard it hundreds of times. You have too. But man, it just really hit me. The truth just really hit me. And I pray as God speaks to your heart, as God woos you and beckons you today, I pray that you'd be obedient to just uh, do whatever God's leading you to do to come to him in salvation, to come to him in rededication, whatever decision, as he softly and tenderly calls you come. Hymn number 312. Let's stand together and we'll sing. Softly and